The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I am the Senior Assistant Minister and Executive Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. We're in the midst of a series where I've been interviewing people who I feel are making a positive spiritual impact in the world, helping people get better, helping people find their own breakthroughs, helping people get their own transformations. So today I have a guest that I've had on the show before, but I wanted him to be a part of this conversation because I believe he has a voice that needs to be heard in the world. So today my guest is the Reverend Dieter Randolph. How you doing there, Reverend Dieter? I'm doing wonderful, and it is just such a, a wonderful thing to get to be back with you again. Thanks for having me back on the show, and uh, and to all your listeners, thanks for uh, for the, the kind words, and uh, thanks for welcoming me back into your earphones or your car or however you're listening right now. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> Before we get into some of the questions about you know this empowerment talk that we talk about, could you give people a little bit about your background so they know who you are for those who are hearing you for the first time? Absolutely. Um, my uh, my mom and dad were working and studying at Unity Village when I was born. So my very first home, in a very real way, is on the grounds of Unity Village, and uh, uh, they're both uh, Unity ministers. And uh, so grew up in that. Actually, my uh, my grandmother and my grandfather on uh, my mom's side are also Unity ministers. So I I kind of got it coming and going. Um, I was ordained in 1994, and uh, I've worked at a number of churches, and I've done a lot of speaking on the road and. Things like that a long time ago when my wife and I were just starting out with our, our marriage and had a little baby, we started a little storefront church. And so I've done that too, but just a year ago, so that was a very long time ago, uh, just yeah. a, a year ago, uh, we started a new church here in St. Petersburg, Florida, uh, the finest city on the face of the earth. So we started a, uh, a church and uh, we just had our one year anniversary of doing weekly services. And it has just been an amazing experience. We've done a lot of things differently because we really wanted to say, what are the things about church that we want to carry forward into the, the next 
century and what are some things that people assume about churches that maybe we can challenge those assumptions and throw them away. So we've really been building the kind of church that we want to go to, you know what I mean? And so it's just been an amazing year and just what an adventure. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So uh, as we start talking about, you know, new thought and its impact, obviously I want to talk about primarily new thought as it connects to this concept that Jesus taught, you know, seek first mm-hmm. the kingdom of God and his righteousness or his righteousness and all these things will be added to you about getting the consciousness of the thing that you desire, seeking your own inner wholeness, discovering your own inner wholeness, and then how that expresses as a healthy, happy, and prosperous life. Could you expound a little bit on that concept? Because I know you're doing some of that work I've seen on Facebook with your congregation <laughs> currently. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, it's it's huge for us in a lot of ways. I think that uh, at the core of what we do, when you go to our, our church, it's Water and Stone Church, and you can see it on the web, waterandstonechurch.com. But when you go there, just about everything we do, like our sign that we have out on the road and our, our literature and everything – has in it our basic idea, and that is God is good, you're good, go do good. And, you know, we have classes and all kinds of things. You can go really deep into the theology, but at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. But you start with the idea that God is good. In other words, the big picture, the paradigm of the universe is that this is a place of good and love. But if you know that, you know that you're a product of that love. At the core of your being is that divine spark, that child of God nature. But, you know, I think that sometimes people stop there. They go, okay, that's great. I'm a child of God, and I'm wonderful, and I'm awesome, and isn't that great? I'm okay. You're okay, and all of that. But that's not the whole thing because you and I both know, and everybody listening knows that when you really feel a thing, when you fall in love, for example, you can't hold still about it. You know, Charles Fillmore said there are no unmanifest thoughts. And we all know what it feels like when you're so on fire with a feeling or an idea, when something is so true or so beautiful that you can't sit still with it. you got to go do a thing about it. So we have a lot of emphasis placed on that go do a thing. And so we do all kinds of service projects all the time. Every month we have a big thing like we'll go do Habitat for Humanity or actually this Saturday we're going to go clean up the beaches around, around here where we are in Florida. Or we'll go work at a soup kitchen. Every month we have a big thing, and then every week we have a little thing. Like this, this month we're collecting toothbrushes and things like that for an organization called Smile Drive that, that helps uh, kids that don't have the ability to, you know, in the outer to get, you know, oral care stuff like mouthwash, toothpaste, uh, stuff like that. We're getting them that. So it's, it's, uh, it's an amazing thing to, to place a lot of emphasis on making a real impact. And that goes back to what you said. First, you seek the kingdom. And remember, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is in your midst or depending on your Bible translation, in your heart. So you find that divine spark within but then you seek the righteousness, and you know it's – I certainly didn't come up with it. It's an old new thought, old unity thing to say, the right useness. In other words, seek mm-hmm. that divine understanding and then seek to use it right. In other words, do something about it. If you're not doing it, then maybe you don't feel it enough yet. Maybe you need to spend some more time chewing on it to the point where you can't sit still. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. So as you're working with people – and helping them discover that, in a real way, they are portable paradise. That mm-hmm. love it. That they, they have this 
you know, divine spark, this divine wholeness within them that they might not be aware of. How do you help mm-hmm. them get from the perception of I'm just a human being who is, you know, afraid of the world and my and trying to find my place in it to the realization of I am an individualized expression of God. Now, let me just give the, you know, the the context of I know you can't give a person that understanding because no one can. Right. But how do you help them discover and uncover the truth of that statement? Well, I I love that because that's kind of what you and I do. (laughs) It's kind of our job, right? That's the that's where it is. That's where the rubber meets the road. And I have to say that the deck is kind of stacked in our favor because when somebody comes to us, whether they come to church, or they listen to this podcast, or they, you know, they, uh, they go to my coaching program or however we interact with those people, if someone has come to us, it means that on some level or another, they have agreed with a calling that they have in their hearts. They've already said, okay, there's something about me that's worthy of change. And if, if you'd already done that, then, then the hardest part of the work that you and I have is already done, and that is that they've already made some kind of grand decision that they want a better life, that they want to know who they are. And I can work with that. Mm-hmm. Um, just like you said, you can't talk somebody into their own beauty. But if right. there's some piece of them that's hungry for it. And, you know, that's one of the things that we talk about a lot. We're all born free. You know, if you look at that Garden of Eden story or, or the prodigal son story or over and over again, so many stories, part of the nucleus of that is that you're a child of God, and that means all of the power and all of the beauty and all of the honor and majesty of that. But it also means all the freedom, including the freedom to not know who you are and the freedom to do really goofy things. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Nobody can make <laughs> we get the goofy part down. Go ahead. Oh, man. Like, you know, I think about my childhood. You know, ministers' kids are the worst. But uh, it's just one of those things. But so I can't make you know who you are. I can't even pray for you in the same way that I can't grow for you. And, you know, in Lessons in Truth, Dr. Katie says no parent can grow for their child. That's kind of part of it. I can't grow for you. But I can see something in you that maybe you don't see yet. And just through the power of my deciding, you know what? You are amazing. I see something in you. Just seeing it. Maybe, maybe as, a, as a minister or as a counselor or whatever role you're fulfilling in that situation, as a friend, maybe you're the only person that sees something beautiful in them. But by seeing it, you help bring it into manifestation. So our primary job as, once again, as religious professionals, ministers, whatever, just as people in the world, our primary job is to behold that amazing truth in other people. You vote yeah. for it by the power of your perception. So it starts Yeah, I get it. I get it. Now, I have to say, because I do have a kid, preacher kids aren't the worst. You might have just been bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I'll own that. My kids are pretty awesome. And either they're pretty awesome or they're really good at hiding it from me. But either <laughs> So, but, but anyway, <laughs> for those, I, I do want to give people an opportunity to call in. So if you do want to call in to ask a question or make a comment, call in to 816-251-3555, 816-251-3555. 
you can call in, ask Reverend Dieter a question and or comment or whatever. Trust me, he is an encyclopedia of history. He just told you that he's a third generation unity minister. So that by itself is a rarity. Matter of fact, I think you're the only third generation unity minister I know, and I'm knee deep in new thought. But <laughs> well, I'm the only, I'm the only so, one I know too. There, there may be others of us out there, but I'm the only one I'm aware of. Yeah, you know, because one of the things, you know, as a sidebar, one of the things mm-hmm. that ministry does if you're not careful, and maybe you, you know, you had a different family context which helped you was, um, I've I've noticed with with. Uh, in, on the New Thought side, not on the, not on the fundamentalist Christian side, which is my other background that I grew up in, that New Thought children, for whatever reason, fade away. They sometimes come back, but because, you know, and it seems as though that sometimes you can be so busy teaching the world that you don't stop to make sure your kids have it. They're supposed to it's have true. it. It's true. Because, yeah. you know, because you're the reverend, the minister, the, the pastor, or, you know, the guru, and people are saying all these nice things about you. And then you discover that what you've been teaching the world, your own child doesn't have or your own children don't have. And I know I didn't yeah. even mean to get off into this, but it just it made me think about the fact that something had to be right in the consciousness of intention to produce mm-hmm. a third generation minister. <laughs> you know, I'm not. Well, I'm not I, asking. I appreciate that. Either business. that, or I'm I'm so thick and stubborn that I just won't listen to what my parents are doing. I'm not sure either way, but but no, I think that that you're ready for what you're ready for, and yeah. uh, you know that uh, being a being a minister is is incredibly beautiful and rewarding, and it's the only thing I ever really wanted to do. But it's also a tough job. You know, I don't. I wouldn't trade it for anything. But it's it's a tough job. It's you have to really see. What's going on? I think sometimes when you interview for a job, you want it because of the benefits or the money or the whatever, but you don't really know the day-to-day. But I had the wonderful honor and benefit of seeing what it was like when my mom and dad would have to deal with a board of directors or uh, try to figure out how to get the roof put on the building or any of that stuff, Uh, weddings and funerals and everything in between. And for whatever reason, I, I just loved every bit of it, and I still do. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I call it the beauty and burden of ministry. I think mm, ministry like has the highest levels of beauty, and it could be a burden that I've seen check people out mm-hmm. and put people in the hospital because of stress and not taking care of themselves and putting everybody else first. So I think you know ministry is this, is its own animal, and I'm always telling people about making sure that you're taking care of your self-care. I didn't pay attention to it as much as I should have when I was younger. Uh, Mm. And then I heard a person in California, I was at an International New Thought Alliance conference at the uh, First Church of Religious Science in Oakland. Okay. And and it was a a lot of different New Thought people there. I was actually there with uh, the Reverend Dr. Mary Tumpkin. Okay. God bless her. Uh, So Mm. does it continue forward in her life experience and and this speaker name edward i always mispronounce his name uh uh vigio vigio something like that he he's a science of mind minister and he said if god is life 
and ministry is slowly killing you, then something is wrong. Oh, wow. I like that. I like that. And it, it froze me. And I start, you know, you know when you have those moments when you start going through the mental Rolodex and you mm-hmm. start knowing, you know people where you know ministry burns them out, where they didn't take care of themselves, where even in public they're smiling and shining and telling everybody, you know, do this, do that behind the doors. You know, they're frustrated, you know, mad, angry at sometimes because of the sacrifices they've made. And, you know, I'm not saying that has been my total experience, but I do know some ministers who've had that experience before I came into New Thought and after I came into New Thought. And it was just interesting to hear that statement. And, you know, and, you know, and, and, and at that time, it was people who I knew who were not taking care of themselves. Some who are not right. here now when that statement was made. If God is life and ministry is slowly killing you, then something is wrong. But anyway, yeah, I don't want to. It, yeah, <laughs> well, and I think that that applies to more than just our particular vocation. I think it applies to anything that you do because at the end of the day, it's so easy to right. get into the mindset that. I am the source of good for another person. You know, I am all there is to love. Or what would they do without me? Or what do they do without the money I bring into the household or whatever? I am the source of their good. Now, we know that God is our source, but it's real easy to step in the way of that and right. decide that I'm the source and or the destination of all the good in the universe. And when you interrupt the flow in that way, you end up getting tired. And so it's so funny that you say that because one of the things that I end up saying to people a lot in my coaching program in particular is one of the things that we work on a lot. But one of the things that we work on is, look, God doesn't get tired. So if you have a life that makes you tired, it's likely that you're giving from the wrong place. Mm. And you probably have noble intentions. Everybody does. You want to make it better. You want to take care of somebody. That's beautiful. But you can't give something you don't have. Life comes from God. Love comes from God. And something amazing happens in a marriage, for example, when you go from I am the source of all of the love there is, which is great for a romantic movie, but it's not great for real life. Instead of being the source, if you go from that to the idea that, you know what, love is bigger than both of us. Like I always say, love is the song that we're both dancing to. And when Uh when when your relationship becomes a channel for something bigger… Or when your job becomes a channel for something bigger, your outlook on life, whatever it is, when you open the idea up and you get out of that concept of source or destination and you get into a concept of flow, something amazing happens. And for one thing, you find things to do in your life that lift you up instead of wearing you out. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think that people have to discover, you know, regardless of the occupation or craft, Mm -hmm. things that just fill you up outside of just the primary thing so you know i don't have to have a good reason to read i love to read i'm i'm a research junkie you know i'm watching youtube videos on how to do whatever i was randomly just reading scapegoat scapegoat theology from a psychological psychological point of view last night for no good reason 
other than <laughs> I like to read. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, and I got to say, my friend, one of the things I love is I'll get these emails from you every once in a while. Saying, you got to read this book. And then I add it to my Amazon list. You know, you, you are such a great source of that. I love that about you. <laughs> much appreciated. Much appreciated. I don't do it as often as I used to. I used to be kind of ridiculous. People <laughs> like, I can't keep up with your list. I, you know, about 10 years ago, <laughs> it was, I was relentless with, the, you got to read this now. So, but anyway, so as <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do want to talk about, again, this concept of prosperity. When you're okay. teaching, prosperity has a prosperity is a funny word now, Dieter, you, from the standpoint of, in my opinion, it's been adulterated. And what I mean mm-hmm. by adulterated is, and I want to get your perspective on it. Let's kind of let, let me give you mine really quickly. I think it's been adulterated from the standpoint of when I came in to Christ Universal Temple, Johnny Coleman taught us that prosperity Included financial independence, health in your body, peace of mind, happy, loving relationships, or what I would call total well-being. It did. It, it included all of it. Mm-hmm. And what ended up happening was, in my opinion, people take a part of a teaching without taking all of it, and then it, sometimes the thing gets out of balance. Now, let me just be clear. I'm pro get the money. Always will be. <laughs> I'm pro get the money. Always will be. I don't. I, I'm unapologetic about being pro get the money. The issue comes into play is, but I'm. But I'm. But my message, because I'm a new thought minister, is total well being from a spiritual perspective. Um. And and then when you hear people who you know you know evangelists and other people who take parts of our teaching, and and they promote it, and now without the whole context, it sometimes makes it a target for people instead of something that should be strived for legitimately. What are your thoughts on it? Oh man, I, you know, this is such an important topic in so many ways to the point where I'm not even sure where to start. So let me just pick this out. One of the reasons that new thought became as big as quickly as it did. I mean, think about it. New thought is a youngster in terms of religious tradition. One of the reasons that uh, that New Thought in general, Unity in particular, got started so quickly is because they hit with a message about healing at a time when the world really needed to hear about healing. And when you think about it, it's like my alternative is I could go to somebody who's going to put leeches on me or electric shock, whatever, and crazy stuff that you you hear about in the late 1800s. Or I go in this room and this lady's going to pray with me, you know, and that became huge. Well, nowadays, there's commercials, every other commercial about ask your doctor if this medication is right for you. And I'm not sure people are any healthier, but the idea of having access to healing is a much different concept in our culture. And now I think that the next revolution is economic. Mm-hmm. And I think that is where new thought's going to grow. And so you combine that, you combine that idea with what we call the, the prosperity gospel, where there's a lot of people on TV that'll tell you, oh, well, Jesus's plan for you is that everybody has a Rolls Royce. And when you look at what his life and teachings represent, I, I don't know how you get that from that. I think right. that the Jesus Christ message, and when you really look at it, I think that the new thought message is God is your source. You know, he wore a seamless robe and all of that. But the idea is that money is never going to be the point. It shouldn't be the goal. And I think this is really important because there are lots of people who read halfway through a book or listen halfway through a lesson or whatever, and they decide that I'm only a spiritual 
uh, success if I've got a big bucket of money. And the truth is that's not a gauge for anything because you and I both know that there are lots of people who have lots of money who don't have lives at work. And there are lots of people who don't have any money who know what love is. Right. And so it, we, we need to decouple the idea of a big pile of money as equaling some kind of success or mastery or all that. And at the same time, I really want us to, to start getting done with the idea that the goal of spirituality is attraction. You know, there's, I think that the law of attraction is a great idea, and there's some real love behind that. But if you don't really understand what's being talked about, you can walk away with the idea that God is somewhere else, miracles are somewhere else, and my job is to get them to show up in my life. But that's not how this works, because if I believe God is somewhere else, I'm never going to have an experience of the divine in my life, because you only get what your consciousness has room for. And Charles Fillmore in Prosperity says some people are like fish in the ocean saying, where's the water? Mm-hmm. God is, God is right where you are. And if you spend all your time trying to attract your miracle, the statement that your heart is really making is, my miracle is not here. Right. And that is a really negative mindset. Yes, yes. So, as you know, we, we only have a few minutes before the break, so I don't want to drill down on another question. But I think it's, it's so important to recognize that you're connected to the source. And I think that at times... You know, people misunderstood people like, for instance, like a Reverend Ike, who was a pure metaphysician, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, I used to jokingly say that there was teacher Ike and then there's, you know, I would call show Ike. You know, sometimes okay. he would he would be outlandish on purpose to get your attention. But if you listen to what he was saying, he was teaching principle completely. And it was just kind of interesting how. You know, the ego of humanity, uh, of human beings, rather, individual ego just automatically focuses on a thing. I'm not thinking about the consciousness that it took to develop it, to get it, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's sort of like, oh, I want to play like Michael Jordan. You just think you're just going to show up at the gym and <laughs> play like Michael Jordan or you're just going to swing, you know, and hit home runs like Ken Griffey Jr. You know, mm-hmm. you're not just going to get in the ring and fight like Mike Tyson or hit a tennis re- tennis ball like Serena Williams. No. Consciousness work is just as laborious <laughs> as any work, and it's harder to objectify at times right. because, because how it shows up literally is in what we call life. Because what we start to radiate, what we start to attract, what we start to produce, how we react to situations, all of those are telltale signs of how we're growing in consciousness. And if we're not open and aware of how we're evolving, we'll miss our own evolution. It's happening. So it's it's, it's interesting. When when you think about all of those heroes, Michael Jordan, or you and I talk about Bruce Lee a lot for whatever reason, anybody like that. Anybody who's a genuine success in something, the thing that they have in common is that they're in love with it, that they Mm -hmm. do it for the love of the game, the love of the music, the love of the art. They do it because they're in love with it. That's where prosperity lives, and the money that happens, the acclaim, the success, whatever, is a byproduct of the love that you have, never the goal. It's a byproduct. You know, The best definition for prosperity is not money. The best definition is good times. So find like the that. things that you love doing, and you'll prosper because you're doing them, not because you get money. 
Beautiful, beautiful. It's almost time for our break. So I do want to again give the number out. If people want to call when we come back from the break, the number is 816-251-3555. 816-251-3555. I have Reverend Dita Randolph on the show. We'll be right back with Truth Transform. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listeners like you to support our broadcasts that send our messages out to an awakening world. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate today. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Eric Butterworth, taken from the live lecture, A Course in Practical Metaphysics. Emily Cady, in her Lessons in Truth, makes a statement which I think we need to kind of think about a little bit. She says, God is not a being with qualities or attributes, but he is the good itself coming into expression as life, love, power, wisdom, etc. He is the good itself coming into expression as life, love, power, and wisdom. In other words, and this again is, is shattering to some of us, God is not loving. So oh, God is a loving God. God is not loving. Because the moment we talk about God as loving, we've got the anthropomorphic Michelangelo like God sitting up in a crowd somewhere with his heart beaming out and saying, oh, I love you all down there, see you so dearly, as long as you're good. But I'm not going to love you very much if you don't go to church and so forth. God is not loving. God is love. To find out more about Eric Butterworth, visit unity.org. If you're looking to deepen your spiritual journey, Unity Magazine is your go-to source for information and inspiration. It's been beautifully redesigned and packed with interesting articles and compelling interviews from today's spiritual thought leaders. You'll find science, spirituality, and healing with a look at Eastern philosophies, meditation, as well as completely new ways to interpret the Bible. Plus, reviews on the latest spiritual books and music. Get a free trial issue at unitymagazine.org. Every summer, Unity hosts an international convention, and you're invited. It's not just for ministers or members of Unity churches, but for anyone who could use a week of inspiration and connecting with others interested in spirituality. The Unity People's Convention will be in the Kansas City area the week of June 17th. Register online at unityworldwideministries.org slash registration. Sign up today and take advantage of the early bird discount through February. If you're wondering what's holding you back from living your passion, it's probably you. Get out of your own way and join Vincent Jenna every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central Time for Stop Stopping Yourself. Vincent uses his gifts as a psychic medium and spiritual teacher, as well as a master's in social work to help people find real answers to what's causing them pain. Listen live and join the show with your questions and comments right here on unityonlineradio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 
816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I am interviewing the Reverend Dieter Randolph, and we're having a good time just chit-chatting. Let me do a couple of quick plugs here before we get back into the the questions, and I'm sure we're going to run out of time because we always do when we talk. Uh, Please be reminded that this show has a Facebook page. Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. My request is that you like the page, give it a five-star rating, and write a positive review. It helps with the algorithms. Also, the show is on iTunes Podcast and Stitcher, S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. Stitcher is for, you know, Android. You can also have it on iPhones technically, but it's an app that also plays the show. Again, my request is that you give it a five-star rating. If it's a possible, write a po- positive review. It helps with the algorithms. The more interaction people have or more people are talking about your show, what ends up happening is it helps put it in front of people's faces. So when they go into the app and they are liking things like self-help, spirituality, prayer, empowerment, it puts the show right in front of them. So we want to make sure that that happens. And when you're watching the show via the website or you're Googling Truth Transforms or whatever, it helps the show stay in front. So right now, if you go to Google and you type in Truth Transforms, we're the first thing you see. Now, there are ministries called Truth Transforms out there somewhere floating, but their ministry isn't what people see initially. They see this show. And for that, I'm grateful for all of you all who are listening to this show. I'm very grateful because I believe that this message of new thought and spiritual empowerment is necessary to the world. Also, please be reminded that Unity Online Radios are, excuse me, Unity Online Radio is supported by your donations. So as you freely receive, freely give, my request is that you go to UnityOnlineRadio.org. The shortcut is Unity.fm. Click on the donate button and help support this online ministry so we can continue getting this message out around the world. People are connecting to this show and other shows on Unity Online Radio in every continent. And we want to make sure that this message of spiritual empowerment gets around the world because everybody doesn't have the benefit of living even close to a new thought center. Some people are surrounded by an island of religious beliefs that are inconsistent with their own. So be a part of helping get the, helping to get this message out to the world. Uh, last but not least, I've you know I've been talking about a few things that are coming down the pike. Far as I'm go- some of the things I'm going to do, I'll most likely in March be announcing some of those things. So just be on the lookout for that. Now, Reverend Dieter, back to you. Yes, sir. Now, uh, one <laughs> of the things that I noticed that you do that is not necessarily always being done in New Thought is coaching. And mm-hmm. so, you know, obviously my question would be why coaching is normally not a traditional New Thought thing to do. Right. You know, and it's something that I, I have to admit that I was a little bit uh, resistant to get into because it, you know, sometimes you need, if you, if you Google for coaching, there's all kinds of stuff that comes up and some of it seems a little bit weird and you know, that kind of thing. And also 
I'm an I'm an old timer in a way, even though you know I'm I'm 45, but I've been in this forever, and so I have an old time set of sensibilities. And traditionally, the New Thought uh, view, if you were to pray with like May Rowland, for example, she'd say, "Okay, we prayed about this once. We're done. We don't need to meet every Tuesday at two o'clock or whatever. This isn't the same thing." And so I was hesitant, reluctant, but I have to say that throughout all the different kinds of ministry that I've done, it felt like there was a missing uh, piece where I wasn't able to address people the way I wanted. I mean, Sunday morning is amazing, and there's things you can do in that metaphor and doing one-on-one prayer treatment where, you know, we're going to pray about this one thing, and then we're done, just like a May Rowland kind of a thing, and then we're done. And that scratches an itch, too. And then, you know, standing in front of people and teaching a class, we teach lessons in truth in the evenings or something like that. That scratches an itch. But there's another thing that happens when you're able to work with somebody on a one-on-one basis over a period of time and be there for them and with them as they grow through some specific things. And so I realized that that's what coaching is. It doesn't have to be some of the other things that it has become. I'm not here to help somebody, like, let's say, figure out their business strategy. Uh, that might happen as a byproduct of some of the other things that we talk about. But coaching is, is my opportunity to, to work with someone on a longer period of time and really work with them as they grow through a big thing. Not just, uh, this is, you know, my nephew is sick and I want to pray about this. But rather, this is, I want to change the course of how my life works. Uh-huh. And that, yes. man, what a blessing to get to work with somebody through that. My program is 25 weeks long, and so we get a good long time. It's almost half a year to work on how this all goes, and we really see changes. It's an amazing process, and I'm so grateful to be doing it. Okay, so what, what you know, what, what is your program? Does it have a name? You know, you said it's 25 <laughs> weeks long. Like, how how does that work? How how does somebody even get started doing something like that? Like, you know, like. Like, honest question, like, how does that work? Well, <laughs> basically, my program is, is uh, I call it five by five, and we'll talk about that later if you want. But the, the basic idea is there's 25 steps. So I give you 25 things to do, and it's more complicated than that. But the, at the core of it, the way the program starts is anybody can go to my website, and it's DieterRandolph.com, or you can go to AskDieter.com. And you can fill out a thing. Did you spell spell that? Because everybody might not know how to spell your name. Yeah, there you go. It's it's D-I-E-T-E-R, like diet. So if you go to askdieter.com or dieterrandolph.com, they both go to the same place. You can see the details about the program. But basically, if you read up on it, there's a place at the bottom where you can just – you click a button, and it puts an appointment on my calendar. And during that appointment, and it's – I don't charge anything. There's none of that. We talk. And I will help you with, you know, we'll talk about something. What do you got going on? Why do you want to do this? What's going on in your life? And I'll help you solve the problem. And if that process works for both of us, because it's got to be a good fit for both people involved. If that is a good fit for both of us, then we can talk about if that's something that we want to do. And that's when the actual 25-week program begins, if me and the other person feel like we can help each other. Okay, but well, that makes sense. Yeah, you know, and it's it's one of those things where I think probably about uh, 80% of the coaching I do is in person. I was actually working with somebody this morning, and we go and we meet every uh, every Wednesday morning. There's a coffee shop that we go to in my town, and we sit and have a cup of coffee, and we talk for about an hour. But it, sometimes it's over the phone or over Skype or, you know, it's one of those things. It doesn't really matter. It's just whatever everybody's comfortable with. 
But basically what happens is we talk about whatever you got going on in your life, and I give you a, a piece of homework. So this is the thing that I want you to do. This is the assignment this week. And sometimes, depending on the person, sometimes it's a very straightforward thing. Sometimes it's a little bit more complicated, spiritual practice, that kind of thing. But then the next week, we talk about how did that go for you, and I give you a new set of homework. And it, it's, that's the, the essence of it. Obviously, there's more than that. But this program is something I've built over my decades in the ministry and figuring out what works for people and doing all of the reading that I've done, all of the research, all the speaking, and so on that I've done. And what I'm so grateful for is to see how well it works to turn people's lives around. It's an amazing thing to be a part of. Beautiful, beautiful. I like that. I like that. Um, now you got to tell me what five for five means before I go into these other questions. <laughs> I do have some questions about your church and what you're doing. So what does five for five well, mean? Well, basically it's actually a radio expression. When somebody says you're coming in five by five, it's a, it, you use it, pilots use it, or it's a military thing. It, it comes in and basically uh, five by five means as loud as it can be and as clear as it can be. So when somebody says loud and clear, it's on a scale of one to five. And so okay. five by five means on both those axes, you are loud and clear. And I love that because I think that sometimes people are good at one or the other. In other words, sometimes people are really good at being loud. I want to live an active life and I'm doing all these things and I'm going to all these meetings and I'm seeing all these gurus and I'm doing you know loud, 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 loud. But it's, it's not the same as actually finding stability because your, your answer can't come from the outside. And there are other people who are really clear. In other words, I am really mellow and really centered, but they're not doing anything with that information that they have. Remember, we talked about action at the beginning of our conversation today. So I really think you need both. You need to get loud with God, get loud with yourself, really be active, really be in love with your life. But it also needs to have clarity to it that this comes from God. And love is what's happening in and through everything I do. So it's called Five by Five because I'm here to help you get loud and clear with yourself, with your life, and ultimately with God. I like that. I think that's kind of clever. You, you must have did some prayer work. A little bit, a little bit. So, yeah. uh, you know, you, I, you mentioned earlier that you started the Water and Stone Church. And, you know, I wanted to, you know, one note, how's it going? And also, <laughs> Because I know uh, that there are so many unity churches in the United States alone. Why did you choose to create or build a church instead of, you know, working with one that was already existing? Right. And and in that question is is part of the answer. Um, I like I said, I, I've served at a number of churches, and it has been my great honor to work for and alongside and with some amazing. Uh, ministers and teachers and some amazing congregations. And I just, and I'm so blessed to have been a part of all of that. But in and through all of it, there was always some stuff that, gosh, I'd like to do this differently, or this doesn't speak to me. And, you know, it's not a, it's not a matter of better or worse, it's just a matter of what speaks to my heart and my calling. And, and I'm sure you understand that. But at the end of the day, taking over uh, an existing ministry, you know, somebody retires and I were to move in there or something like that. It just never felt like the right thing to do because it would involve undoing somebody else's wonderful work that they've earned the right to do. And as I said before, there's just so much that we wanted to do differently. So much that we wanted to unplug and rewire. And, and we really 
I would encourage people, you can, if you go to waterandstonechurch.com, you can actually watch uh, some of our Sunday services. And we have a lot of people who are part of our congregation who have never set foot in our building or even in our town. You can watch how our services go, and they're radically different. We place a lot of different emphasis on different things. But so I didn't want to undo somebody else's great work. But put another way, the thing that we came up with is that uh, childbirth is a very difficult enterprise. But resurrection is harder. Man, man, man. Man, that, that should be. Look, let me just say this real talk, and we can talk offline about this particular phrase. That needs to be a workshop that is taught to churches mm. in a real way. I love it. That because. Well, let's let me go on the road sometimes. You know, I, you know, I, you know, I know when you, you know, starting a church, you know, but maybe doing those weekdays here and there, because, you know, even if a person is taking over an existing church, one of the things that, you know, everyone who's discussed, you know, you know, look, I, I understand, you know, you know, I, you know, I'm working for, I've worked for Reverend Coleman and Reverend Wells. One of the things I do know without a shadow of a doubt is the culture of a founder or, or, or a pastor who's been leading a church for a long time is is opaque it's 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 thick it's concrete it's mm-hmm. thick concrete oh sure and yeah. you know and when you are seeking to be your own identity or, or express your own identity in god it can be challenging it can yeah. be challenging what i got it, it has its own rewards but it can be challenging sure. and i think that people have to discover how to how to be their own authentic self in the context of not trying to resurrect somebody's old thing, but mm-hmm. being a part of a race maybe where they ran, maybe they might have been the first runner, but they have to pass the baton to someone else. And some people don't pass right. the baton. Some people drop it. <laughs> well, and it's, it's, a, it's a thing too. And, and we know that it shouldn't be about the messenger, you know, and, and all of that, but and yet we see people even you know wrestling with that during the time of the Gospels, where Jesus said over and over again, "Look, it's not about me; it's about your faith has made you well. Christ in you, your hope of glory," is what Paul says later on. It's one of those things, and yet people get really attached to the messenger, and that's okay. There's some really wonderful things about it, but we see it happen over and over again. I mean, we saw it happen in the Indian movement after after uh, Charles Fillmore isn't physically around, we see unity go through, well, okay, well, what does it mean to be unity? And there are some people that are really in favor of the direction it went in and some people that are highly critical, and everybody's entitled to their opinion about that, but it always happens. And it's not a bad thing. It's a blessed thing. But on the other hand, there were just so many reasons why it was like, you know what, let's, let's just throw everything out, start from scratch, and build the church that we want to go to from the ground up. We want to challenge everything. And so we right. started meeting in my living room for a long time before we found a, a place. And we, we really just are always tweaking and editing and, and making sure we're really living up to what we have on the inside. But at the end of the day, as much as I just, oh, man, this church, Water and Stone, is my heart and soul. I am in love with it. And the people that go there, we're family in such a profound way that I've never experienced anywhere else before. But I know now and they know now that there will be a time, hopefully not for a long time, let's be clear. I plan on being there for a while, but there will be a time 
when somebody else is the minister there. And right. all I'm doing is getting it ready for them. Right. Everybody right. needs to know that because I'm not going to create this idea that this is Dieter's church. That's not okay with me. Right, right, right. And that's the thing that makes it really interesting when you forget that it's God's church, God's people, God's mm-hmm. plan, God's idea. That's when you get in trouble. Yeah, yeah. That's when you get in trouble. Without a shadow of a doubt. Because, you know, like any other field of work, when that ego gets in, involved, it can it can do some wonderful things. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Without yeah, a doubt, I you know, you can disease. you can create some <laughs> some drama to say the least. So, um, I did have an, another question which just popped in my head because I know that you all are doing innovative things. Like, you know, I believe like. Then on one service, I don't know if you do this on every service, like people text questions to you in the middle of the service? Yeah, basically every single Sunday. Um, okay. When We don't do announcements because that's just one of the things we don't do. Nobody wants to hear the announcements. They just don't. But one of the things we'll say at the beginning, we have a, you know, a screen and we have stuff going on the screen. And it says if you have a question, you can text in your question while I'm talking. And so I do about a 25-minute lesson. And then after the lesson, I answer questions that people have texted in, and I can never get to all of them, but I answer as many as I can. I never know what people are going to say. And sometimes it's a question about something that I said, and sometimes it's just something that somebody has has on their heart. Sometimes they're questions from people in the room. But like I said before, we have a tremendous uh, online congregation, bigger, in fact, than the people who are there in the room with us. And – we have people texting and Facebook messaging and ask questions from all over the world. And it's an amazing thing to, so that they get to interact with that. But then every fifth Sunday, um, I devote the whole uh, Sunday. So I don't do a lesson, a traditional lesson. The whole service is just me answering people's questions. I love it. I love it because I think that one of the things that we have to do in New Thought, in my opinion, better is – developing the distinction between what new thought teaches or whatever our brand, obviously, you know, you come out of the film orient background, just like me, you know, Reverend Coleman was a unity minister who went independent, but she never changed her theology. Mm-hmm. So we have the right. same and baseline theology. Say it again. I said, that's me too. I am not my church. Water and stone church is not a quote unquote unity church. Although I see unity as my, Brothers and sisters, I'm not under the umbrella of that. This is an independent ministry. So I, I right. you know, I flatter myself to think that maybe I'm taking a page out of Reverend Coleman's book. Hey, look, she believed in doing it in her own way. Let me tell you this quick story, which I wasn't going to plan <laughs> okay. on sharing. So, but since, <laughs> since you said doing, doing it her way, this is an example of how Johnny Coleman thought. So years ago on, on BET, Black Entertainment Television, Tavis Smiley used to have a show that used to come on at 10 o'clock Central Time. I think it was 11 o'clock Eastern Time. And he would interview different politicians and entertainers and things of that nature. Well, he decided he wanted to interview Johnny Coleman about women leaders in ministry. This is years ago. And (laughs) so he brings Johnny Coleman on and he brings on these other uh, female leaders, you know, somebody who's the first bishop in this or the first female leader in that. And they have the bishop on and they're asking her a bunch of questions about why, you know, what she did to become, you know, a leader 
in what in her particular denomination of Christianity. And then he asked Johnny Coleman. And Johnny Coleman said to him, paraphrase, um, I wasn't waiting on any man to tell me that I could do anything. <laughs> God told me what I could do. So I just started my own thing. <laughs> I love it. I, I, I got I wonder if that's floating around on YouTube or something. I'd like I can see I, her in my head, I can see her saying it, but I want to see the video of that. I love that. That's exactly right. I, I've looked for it, you know. I'm gonna keep looking for it because you know how YouTube is and other oh, sure. video, whatever. You you search for it for years and then it pops up. Like I've been looking for that for years. But <laughs> yeah, Johnny was like, I just, you know, I don't. You know, she was just straightforward with. Him. I'm waiting for some guy, some man to tell me what I can do. When God has mm-hmm. ordained me, empowered me, anointed me, appointed me to do something. Okay. You know, we get so caught up in the conversations of someone giving me the right but you know yeah. one of the things that i'm mindful of uh Dieter, that i wasn't as mindful of in, earlier in the ministry is being careful about permission conversations you know people feel as though that they have to give you permission to go do what god is, wants you to do now if you work in mm-hmm. an organization you have to follow the rules policies and procedures of that organization i'm not talking about that if it's it doesn't align with your integrity. You need to go do something else instead of being disgruntled in the space. I'm a big believer in that belief in policy. Uh, it's not a policy, yeah. but it's a personal policy for me. But if you have to teach, you got to go teach. If you have yeah. to preach, that's right. You have to go preach. That's right. If you say somebody's not letting me letting me do something in the ministry, then that's on you. That's not on the senior minister. You have to be <laughs> obedient right. to what's in your soul. To your to thine own self be true, and if you yeah. can't do it here, then you have to go find some place to do it, or you're being disobedient to spirit, not a human being. And yeah. it's it's amazing to me, even in the midst of conversations, when people who are who are um, you know ministers that are working with people, and it, it's almost as though people feel as though they're empowered to let you do what you want to do, whether they're leaders, whether they're parishioners, whether they're peers, like, wait a minute. And you have to sometimes get clear with yourself. Mm-hmm. That's right. Obe- That's right. Obedience and, is better than sacrifice. And that applies to every area of life. So many times people go, well, I am, I'm here to fix this, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, son, daughter, whatever. I'm here to fix them. And they just won't listen to me. It's like, you know what? You're not their source, and this goes back to what we talked about before, but you know, Jesus said if they don't listen to you, shake the dust from your sandals and move on. Right. You know, there's, you're, it's not your job to fix other people, and that's a very egotistical thing to say, well, I am here to – you know, I'm going to do it right now, and you're going to hear me no matter what. Well, they may not need to hear what you have to say, but somebody else does. You're right. not there by accident. So it's time to figure out where your calling is calling you. Right. Absolutely. And even if it's your children, one of the things that I do believe is something that Joe Goldsmith said in one of his books. Uh, I, uh, it's, it's one of the I don't want to say which book because I'm 100 percent accurate when I quote books. So I don't want to quote it and be inaccurate. I, I have it in my mind, but I'm not 100 percent sure what well, he talks about okay. that each. He says we look at souls. He said we look at children as if they're our own instead of individual souls. And you don't know what that soul came here to learn and do. Therefore, just because you're a metaphysical Christian or metaphysical thinker or new thought practitioner or Baptist, Pentecostal, Muslim, Jewish, you know, Islam, Islamic, 
Muslim, you know, whatever, Hindu, does not mean your children will be. Most of the time they are culturally. But sometimes they will push back. And sometimes, yeah. <laughs> especially with a teaching that is as mystical as ours, and I'm using that word instead of metaphysical, mystical as ours, their soul growth and development might not be at the space where they can really grasp it like you grasp mm-hmm. it. It's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, it's, it's a paradox in a way because you think, oh, because they came through me, they must be ready for this. No, not necessarily. You just might have something that they need to express, learn, or do in this incarnation. That's right. And you might have something to learn from them. <laughs> exactly. 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 Because uh, I think it was Ralph Waldo Emerson said, "Don't be fooled by those by those by that curly hair. That baby's a thousand years old." And it was a joke mm-hmm. of saying, "You don't know what's in that soul." You know. Okay. You know. In in the black community, we used to say, well, "My grandmother and aunts and uncles used to say that's an old soul." And I was like, what does that mean? Because, you know, all you are talking about people going to heaven and hell and, you know, after they die and all that, what is the old soul? Mm, but, you know, there's a, you know, but, you know, like that kid's been here before. Okay. Now, so I thought that I, we got to end in one minute, like literally, but I think that that's just a conversation <laughs> that the mysticism of our culture crept into our Christianity, just like it does for everybody else. Mm-hmm. It's going to show yeah. up one way or another. Again, we've run out of time, Dieter. Uh, <laughs> somehow, <laughs> some way. But yep. I want to thank you for coming on the show. This has been an absolute blast. Oh, it's an honor. So, I love it. Thank you so much. You know, so, you know, definitely touch base with them. Give them the website one more time, please. Okay. Uh, Waterandstonechurch.com, all spelled out. You can also go to askdieter, D I E T E R.com. Okay. All right. Beautiful, beautiful. So we're going to, you know, be back with you next week. I'm trying to remember who I have on next week. I think it's um I think it's Mitch Horowitz next week, uh the New Thought scholar. Sure. Uh actually it is. So next week I'll be with <laughs> you with Mitch Horowitz and we're going to have continue to have fun. God bless you. We'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. Don't forget to plug in to my social media. Don't forget to stay in tune. If you're getting breakthroughs from this show, go to True Transforms, go to the inbox and let me know. God bless you. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.